Hello, and welcome to our podcast called the Virtual CISO Chronicles. In this podcast, I interview a virtual CISO to talk about cybersecurity, entrepreneurship, and business. I'm your host, Caroline McCaffrey, one of the co-founders of ClearOps, a software platform exclusively for VCISOs. Virtual CISOs are cybersecurity professionals who consult with companies to build cybersecurity programs. To discuss a little bit more about myself, I have over 22 years of experience as a startup lawyer, and I like to think of myself as an advocate, especially in the fields of data privacy and cybersecurity. But I grew up in an entrepreneurial home, and I absolutely love listening to people's stories. So I started this podcast to feature people who are working hard in cybersecurity to make the world a better place. Our guest today is Durley Gutierrez. Thank you so much for joining me today, Durley, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I always like to ask the intro question. So, you know, and please expand as go as long as you want, which is to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. And if you can throw in something that's non-security related, that would be great. Yeah, uh, I've been doing security for 24 years. Uh, started off in the military and then made my way into the private sector. Um, a, a little bit about myself. I would say I love martial arts. I've been doing martial arts since I was a kid. I took a break for it for a while, but now I've gotten back into it and I'm doing Muay Thai, which has been on my bucket list for a long time. What is, what is that? What is it? In Do you remember like the old action movies with like Van Damme? Yeah. He did Muay Thai and there's um, it's a lot of kicking and punching. It's like boxing, but uh, it's similar to what you see in mixed martial arts today in UFC. A lot of people take Muay Thai lessons. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So you said, you mentioned that you start off in the military. Where were you and what were you doing? Uh, oh, most of my career I was stationed in San Antonio, but uh, I started off in the Air Force. Uh, back in the day, uh, IT and especially security weren't centrally managed. Every unit, especially a large unit, they kind of had their own um, people that just happened to know about technology or maybe they built computers at home like I did because I was a gamer. And mm -hmm. if you knew how to harden a router or switch or just install agents like malware and computers, it was kind of like an extra hat that you wore. It wasn't really your full-time job. Um, because I was in security forces, which in the Air Force is a combination of infantry, law enforcement, physical security. Um, I also got to work with OSI, which is basically the FBI of the Air Force. They go to the same school as the FBI. It's okay. just their uh, area responsibility is different. So I got to work with them on, on cyber crime um, and things like that because I had experience uh, and knowledge, uh, which was, uh, there was a huge gap back in, in the day. Uh, and, and since I, I, I fell in love with that combination of physical security, law enforcement and, and cybersecurity, I started getting degrees and certs. Um, and then once I was working on my second master's, I wanted to be an officer, but there was no room in the Air Force, they were letting people out because of the downsizing from the war. Hmm. Um, the Army made me an offer and I switched to the Army. Um, but I did leave active duty in 2005 from the Air Force and I just went reserves um, and, and started my private or uh, sector kind of experience and um, started using my um, clearance as a way to get entry level jobs in cybersecurity. Um, so I started doing DOD contracting and then I made my way into just pure private sector and worked at Onyx and Cognizant as a consultant and then eventually 
got into security architecture, cloud security, and then made my way into executive level with all that combined experience. Okay. Um, where were you, what, where did you go when you were the executive? Um, oh, outside of consulting, uh, Bank of New York. And okay. then I was at a security for Tencent Data and then uh, CISO at Dragonfly. Okay. Okay. And then um, now you are running your own consulting practice as a virtual um, I've, Yeah, I've always consulted um, since 2018, even part-time. And okay. then from Onyx and Cognizant, because I made a lot of connections and did VCSO work, um, I always did part-time VCSO work in some way, shape, or form, or in between full-time roles. Okay. Um, I really enjoy it. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that believe in security. They just can't afford to have a full-time CISO. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's really great work. Interesting. So even when you were full-time as a CISO, you said you also sometimes did part-time on the side. How did you, how did yeah, you? Yeah, I'm a workaholic. <laughs> even when I was going to night school and college, I was, I was a bouncer on the side and then I was in the reserve. So I, um, uh, I got like a little bit of, uh, you know, workaholic personality. If I'm working less than 60 hours a week, I get bored. Okay. So um, definitely was able to squeeze in within a regular full-time job that's just 40 hours a week, maybe 50 hours a week, you know, some extra hours here or there. Uh, also working in, in the reserves. So despite maybe on my resume, it's showing 24 years, you could probably easily add another 30% to that because I was doing cybersecurity as a reserve officer. I was, you know, freelancing on the side or mentoring. I started multiple chapters of CSA. Um which is the Cloud Security Alliance, mm -hmm. uh, one in Houston, one in Austin and New York. So if you gave me a billion dollars tomorrow, I would start a nonprofit cybersecurity consulting company. It, it just, I love it. Oh, wow. I mean, so much to unpack there. Okay, so cybersecurity, let's let's stay on that for a second. You would start a cybersecurity nonprofit because you love it. And you said you started multiple chapters of CSA. For our audience, talk a little bit about what CSAs does and what what that means building multiple chapters and then I'll, I'll add a second part to this question. Sure. So CSA is the Cloud Security Alliance. It came out of Europe. They were basically uh, the first uh, body, best practice body that focused on cloud. Um, so when Asaka, who makes CISSP, wanted to make their first search for cloud, they partnered with CSA, uh, and so did the government when they came out with FedRAMP, which is like. Mm -hmm. the, the NIST 853 version of, of, of cloud, right? Yep. So uh, CSA uh, for the longest time was the, the gurus of cloud security. So when I got into cloud security, I went to them. I, I got certified. I learned about their methodology. And then I, I loved it so much that I, uh, I started a few chapters because I believed in it. Okay. Um, cloud Security Alliance publishes the CAIQ, if I remember correctly, which is near and dear to my yeah. heart. <laughs> yeah, were you involved they, they, in, in developing the CII? This is a personal question, but were you involved in developing the CIIQ? When I was in Bank of New York, I got interviewed from them because okay. uh, we paid the membership and I gave them feedback, but I, I never got deep into involvement. I think there was, uh, when they were coming up the new version of, of CCM, which is the, the cloud controls matrix, there was a public inquiry and I gave them some feedback on that as well, but I've never gotten that hands-on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> with the corporate, with the corporate offices, at least, right? I just manage uh, local chapters, and we had meetings, and I just give feedback. Okay, um, that was a that was sort of an aside question. 
back to uh, if you were given money today, you would open up um, your own cybersecurity mentorship uh, program. What 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 does that look like for you? What will you be building? Well, nonprofit. Yeah, I mean, if I had the money and the resources, I would really try to to do a, a some kind of major nonprofit that helps harden critical infrastructure. You know, small businesses, especially ones that have a lot of of um, private data. Mm-hmm. Um, and because a lot of companies need help, they just can't afford it. And, um, and even small companies, when they go to niche firms or firms that focus on small to mid-sized business, they're, they're paying, you know, $200, $400 an hour. Um, it, it, it really limits how much help they can get. So if you had, you know, maybe a nonprofit organization that was there just to, you know, it could be a win-win where you, you get people, entry-level people uh, or people looking for jobs. Uh, employment at the same time, you're helping startups to mid-sized businesses get the security hardening expertise that they need as well. Um, I think more organizations uh, exist. If it that existed, um, it would improve the security posture of, uh, of our nation. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and so you talked, okay, so you also talked about that you do mentoring on the side. Who and what does the mentoring entail? Yeah, so um, usually it's people I've worked with that just want uh, to figure out how to get into cybersecurity. So I'll meet with them weekly. There, there's one individual. He came out of the DOD. He did um, threat analysis. He did more intel and intelligence, mm-hmm. but he wants to get into cyber threat intel and architecture. So I'm mentoring him which search he should focus on, you know, updating his resume, things like that. Um, other guys who are already in cybersecurity, but they, they want to know how to get to the executive level. Uh, so same thing, I'll help them with the resume. I'll, I'll help mentor them. This is the next position I would I would get based on your skills and abilities and passions. So what, what certifications do you recommend to your mentees? It, it really depends on, on where they want to get to, right? So let's say if you at an entry level, uh, analysis and maybe you want to be a SOC manager. Well, let, let's look at who are SOC managers today on LinkedIn. What certs and degrees do they have? Let's look at some job um, openings for that role. What are they asking for? And then we try to reverse engineer a path based on the latest requirements because um, back when I was new to cybersecurity, what you needed is, is very different than what you need today. Um, most jobs today don't really require degrees and certs like it did. 15 years ago. Um, so I really want to make sure that if I'm mentoring them and guiding them, that I'm giving them the latest information, not, not what I needed to do, you know, 20 years ago when I was coming in. So I sure. try to just also teach them how to fish, right? Because if we lose connection, I've taught them how to reverse engineer a goal in cybersecurity by looking at what the current requirements are. Do you think that a, certi- a cybersecurity certification is, or many of them, are necessary if someone wants to become a virtual CISO? Well, I mean, to, to be a virtual CISO, you probably need certain years of experience in certain roles. And in order to get those roles, you may need those certs. I, I really do believe in, in CISSP. I think yeah. that they try really hard to make it easy uh, or difficult uh, for someone not just to take one of those programs where you just take um, question and answer dumps, um, although it's really hard to prevent at 100%. But I, I do believe it's like a um, 
a good board exam. It teaches you every major domain and, and all the basics. Um, and just like lawyers and, and, and medical professionals go through a board exam to show that they know a certain level, even though it's not required in every field, it, it's still a good way to, to learn about every aspect of information security. And then you can figure out what you want to concentrate in, just like a lawyer or a medical professional does. Now, it's not required anymore today, um, but I do think there are certain certs that for the cost, um, if you don't want, especially if you don't want to get a degree, um, it's going to help um, teach you what you need to know in information security. And it's just going to help you um, get the job if you're, the, the hiring manager is comparing you to someone who doesn't have a cert. They may take you over them, maybe though you have the same skills and abilities. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. So we've talked about how you mentor people who are interested in becoming or getting into the cybersecurity field how uh, you've done some volunteer work with CSA and helped them open up uh, multiple chapters, how you've been an in-house executive CISO, worked your way up to that position, and how you've also been a consultant and now you run your own business. Uh, I'm curious, switching gears to that part actually, back to being someone who's has been a CISO and at the same time, also a virtual CISO and running your own consulting practice. Do you think it's helpful that you were, you know, in the private sector as someone who's worked for another employer in, in now being your own boss? Because the way you've done it, you've kind of been your own boss almost the whole time. So I'm curious as to why you decided to go and also work in-house. I like having diversity of experience. I mean, sometimes on your resume, it can, it can cause for you to look like a job hopper. Although a lot of times companies I've worked for, they'll get sold to companies that already have someone in my position. Um, but I think having diversity experience uh, helps you see different viewpoints, whether it's public sector, private sector, and then even being your own business owner when you go back to a, a job that's that's just salary, I understand, even though it's a, a different level, I understand the pain of the CFO, the CEO, business development, product development, um, you know, working with legal, you know, contract negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think it benefits me um, having that diversity experience. I also, um, I try not to do it so much now, but I'm one of those guys that like, I liked having the latest, greatest thing. So I always, whether it's a new cell phone or, or the technology and car, I'm a technologist. So when cloud came out and everyone at DOD thought it wasn't gonna take off or, or the government would never unit, I, I left uh, DOD contracting because they weren't doing cloud and I wanted that experience. So I got a, I worked with K-Force to get a position at Rackspace. Um, and, and then, you know, crypto came out. I freelanced with some crypto companies because I wanted to see if I could harden it. And and because of that desire, when NSA called me to secure a weapon system that had failed compliance three times in a row, it wow. was a nine month contract, and I fixed it in in ninety days because wow. I could just I all that experience has allowed me to break things down to the smallest part and and just figure out how to secure them. Cloud is just someone else's computer. It, it, virtualization is just a virtual computer. It's all these things, they're all the exact same. Crypto is a mesh network. Yeah. I learned how to secure mesh networks in, in the army. I mean, if you really dig down, 
everything is really the same. I get in, when I get in interviews, they're like, what's the, you know, do you think you could harden this? Do you think you could do it? it? The answer is yes. Everything's the same. It's all ones and zeros. And, and because I kept chasing a challenge and I could never find something that was too hard for me to secure. I, I think that's why having all this different diverse experience makes me great. Instead of just being at one company for 20 years uh, and only having one viewpoint. Um, but again, the negative does look like on your resume that, that you hop around too much, right? So you got to balance that. I have another CISO friend who he, he, you know, on average, most CISOs stay at a place two and a half years. So if anything less than that, and, and unfortunately he has the same problem where the company got sold or their budget changed, he got laid off. It was out of his control. So you have to be careful when trying to get diverse experience that you don't look like a job hopper. Yeah. Um, that's, that's definitely something that I think uh, more recently is less of an issue just with the fact that the tech sector, there's a lot of uh, jobs that occurs. Um, but I am curious on a few things that you said, but, you know, sort of keeping with the theme of the podcast, um, you, it sounds like you've had a, quite a successful consulting experience, but I love asking the question of virtual CISOs such as yourself, which is what is the hardest part of, for you in being a virtual CISO versus, I mean, it doesn't have to be versus the in-house, but what's the hardest part about running your own business? Business development for me, because um, I, I have other friends that do it, that it, it's the opposite, it's delivery. Um, but for me personally, it's business development because for me, networking and, and building relationships is something I do because I wanna know you, I wanna to get to know you, I wanna be your friend, right? When, when you're doing business development in order to, to bring in new clients and customers, that's not something that uh, I enjoy doing or good at. So most of my successful consulting roles, even full-time is where I partner with really great business development people, uh, pre-sales people, and I just did the closing as the expertise. I enjoyed the delivery. Um, so, uh, if, if you want to have a successful security startup or, uh, consulting practice, you really need to find salespeople, business development people that will bring in uh, good leads and, and customers. If not, you're not going to have a business for much long because you're not generating any revenue at all. Yeah. I mean, it's so true that business development is incredibly challenging. I mean, you know, as, for, as a, Fellow founder of a company, that is certainly my challenge. Now, your virtual CISO practice is called Durley G. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I, I just named it Durley okay. G Consulting. <laughs> Kept it simple. Hey, you know, we talk about your business on this podcast, so you might as well uh, make sure we our audience knows the name. What do you what what do you do? You focus on a particular type of client? You know, like give us a little bit of your your pitch that you do do when you're uh, seeking new business. Yeah, I mean, I just happen to get mostly startups to mid-sized businesses just because they're looking for more cost-effective um, solution providers and consultants. Mm -hmm. um, once in a blue moon, I might get like a Fortune 5000, but it, it's usually small to mid-sized business. Um, mostly VC, so right, they, they've never had a sec formal security program. It's a, it's a white canvas. Once in a while, it may be someone that left very short term and need someone right away to fill in the gap until they figure out their replacement. Um, uh, next to VC, so work, it's a lot of security architecture. And then third would be some kind of assessment 
um, of some kind. Okay. Um, and then um, how, how big is your, is it, is it just yourself or do you have other employees who work with you? I've had other 1099s in the past, but at the moment it's just me. It just okay. depends on if I get a contract, I might call some friends or hire uh, a professional too, if it's needed, but typically it's just me. Okay. Um, and then what has been the easiest part about starting your own business? I guess just the formation, right? You, today you can just go to, you know, a website and start a company um, and all that. Um, so that's not really hard anymore to build a website. You can use Wix and they have pre-made templates and things of that nature. What advice would you give someone who, because you do mentor people quite a bit. So this is a good question for you. Um, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about starting their own cybersecurity consulting business? Oh, the, all the things I just mentioned about business development, right? That uh, if you don't love it, it's going to be a challenge. So you, and if you're not good at it, then you need to outsource it to someone who is and, and be willing to take a cut uh, or give them a piece because um, it's hard work. Um, and they're going to be leveraging a lot of their relationships that they've spent years developing, right? So they, they deserve a, a good piece of, of helping you generate that revenue. Yeah, yeah. For sure. When so when you're working with you said you used to work with a, a, a bunch of startups, are they mostly sort of the high tech startups or what type of is there any specific industry that you prefer to work with? I know you worked for a bank at one point, so I'm wondering if fin financial industry is specialization for you. I, I think because of my resume, I have a lot of healthcare and in, in, in financial. Mm -hmm. they, they tend to reach out to me once in a while. It, it'll be something random. It could be a clothing uh, brand or manufacturing, but it is typically FinTech or uh, technology it could be a SaaS uh, provider yeah. um, or, or small startups that are healthcare related in some way, shape or form that have HIPAA requirements. Um, I think the two most unique one was, was related to DLT, which is what crypto is based on. So one was an actual crypto startup. And then the other one wasn't crypto, but it, it did use um, blockchain and DLT technology. It was a European organization that was trying to make healthcare contracts that met that that country's uh, regulatory requirements. That was That's really unique. Yeah. Uh, for our audience, can you please tell them what DLT stands for? Um, distributed ledger technology. So it's like uh, it's what blockchain and crypto falls under from a from a technology standpoint. So crypto is a subgenre of DLT. Okay. Just like AI is a subgenre of LLM, which is, uh, what is it, learning language model? Large, so. Yeah, large language models. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do, just since you have some experience, it, you know, uh, in 2021, I did a podcast or um, a webinar series on crypto and, and all everything that was happening in the blockchain and Web3 and all that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think's going on in the industry? You think it's you think people are, I think people are heads down building with all the money that they raised back in 21. And that's sort of why we've seen less of a hype. And of course, now we're seeing a lot of hype on the AI side. Um, but what do you think? Do you think that there's, do you, do, you, do you agree with me? Do you think there's sort of a lot of heads down work and it'll come back strong or uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's here to stay. And I, I think once most countries come out with regulation, and 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 and, the, and and a way to determine if this is actual equity or is it a uh, what's the right term 
the type of investment it is, they need to make that determination. Mm-hmm. And, and once they do that, if you qualify or don't qualify, it's going to weed out all the, the um, they call them the bad coins mm-hmm. versus the good ones. Um, now, some like even I think the U.S. has now determined that that Bitcoin isn't technically a, a currency, but there's some that qualify as a currency uh, and some of them are just qualifying as, as some kind of smart contract. So they, they need to figure out with legislation, you know, what, are, what qualifies for what. And yep. once they pass that and they start managing it, just like we manage, you know, healthcare today um, or any other industry, I, I think it will see it take off in great improvement. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the technology, especially I think blockchain technology is, is super fascinating. But I do realize that we are near the end of the time here. And I know you're a very busy person. I have a couple of like quick questions for you, at least hopefully quick questions. Any favorite okay. cybersecurity or business book that you'd recommend to our audience? Um, Gary Hipsey has a lot of great books on, on the CISO uh, level. Um, so I recommend his series of books, especially if you're doing small uh, to mid-sized business as a CISO. Awesome. Um, what is your number one security tip that you tell like friends and family when you're at a social event? In a social event? Oh, wow. Um, Hmm. <laughs> I know I haven't thought about physical security and social event in a while. I'd say, I don't know if it's still needed with the current OS versions, but back in the day, I, whenever I'm out anywhere, I still do this. I turn off my Wi-Fi and Bluetooth if it's not needed. If, you know, even though supposedly that the current operating systems have hardened that, even the, uh, the tap payment, if I don't need it, I turn it off hmm. uh, and just make sure that um, if you're in an area, especially when you're traveling, if there's a lot of pit pockets and whatnot to just to be mindful. Interesting. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, and then any other virtual CISO you know that you think I should interview for this podcast? Yeah, my mentor is, uh, one of my mentors is Alan Alford and he recently also, I think restarted his practice. and He's trying to get it, um, ramping up. So I'd recommend you reach out to him. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I would love Durley for you to please let our listeners know how and where they can find you. Yeah, just come to my LinkedIn page and send me a friend request or a message and uh, don't be afraid to say hello. Great. Durley G is the name of your virtual CISO consultancy. Durley, again, thanks for joining us. And to all the listeners out there, you can find our blogs and this podcast on Substack and Apple Podcasts at the Security Expert Marketplace. Thanks again. And uh, talk to you. Talk to you again, hopefully soon. Thank you for having me.